Welcome to r slash pro revenge, where a lying Karen gets herself fired. Our next Reddit post is from Technogrind. My friend, Sandy, worked at a travel agency in British Columbia, Canada. It was a small owner-operated business with the owner and three employees, including my friend. Everyone worked Monday through Friday from 9 to 5. One of my friend's co-workers, Jane, an older woman in her mid-60s, was a long-time nuisance employee. Among other sketchy behavior, Jane was always scamming ways to take time off over and above her official paid vacation time. To make up for the lost hours, she would claim overtime pay by supposedly going into the office in her off hours to finish up work without being requested by the owner to do so. Despite being caught in her own lies on a number of occasions and being warned about trying to claim for unsanctioned overtime, the owner of the travel agency was reluctant to officially reprimand Jane or get rid of her. The reason for this is because the owner discovered that after she had hired Jane, Jane had actually been fired from her previous job at another local travel agency for pulling the same stunts. However, Jane had sued her former employer for unfair dismissal and had won a settlement. After a few years of my friend Sandy working at the travel agency, the owner was ready to retire and offered to sell the business to my friend. Sandy took her up on the deal and took over the business while keeping Jane and the other employee employed. Once again, just as the previous owner was afraid to get rid of Jane, Sandy was also afraid of getting sued. When Sandy took over the business, she instituted guidelines regarding taking time off, and she established an official no-overtime policy. Jane would still try with her shenanigans, but was far less successful in getting what she wanted with my friend in charge. However, Jane still had one trick up her sleeve when she wanted to take time off on a whim. Sandy was a divorced single mom of two boys who were heavily involved in youth hockey. She would sometimes leave the office an hour or two before closing to get her boys to hockey practice or a game. To avoid requesting time off in person and potentially being denied, Jane would wait for Sandy to be out of the office to book a day off if she didn't feel like coming in or had made plans. Sandy would then arrive at work the next morning only to discover that Jane just wasn't coming in. Despite this happening a number of times, Sandy would usually let it slide since there was now a definite no-overtime policy. Therefore, Jane could no longer claim to come into work on the weekend or after hours to try to make up for the day off. She would either miss out on the day's pay, in turn saving Sandy money, or it would come out of her remaining paid vacation days. Moreover, two people in the office at one time could usually handle everything. Jane not coming into work was really a no-loss situation for Sandy. There was one time, however, when Sandy was going to be away for one or two work days just before the weekend to take her boys to a hockey tournament. She told Jane and the other employee, both verbally and in writing, that they could not book time off for the dates in question since she would be away and needed both of them in the office. Within a few days of giving this notice, Sandy went to the office on a Saturday to do some paperwork and go through the sales for the week. This is when she discovered that, only the day before, Jane had booked a trip for her daughter and son-in-law to Las Vegas, as well as a plane ticket in her name to Calgary where her daughter lived. Both the trip to Vegas and the ticket to Calgary coincided with the dates that Sandy would be out of the office. Sandy then checked the vacation booking schedule to further discover that Jane had indeed booked the days off that she had expressly been told that she couldn't have. Not mentioning that she had discovered Jane's travel plans, Sandy emailed Jane telling her that she would have to deny her the days off since she had already been told they were unavailable because Sandy would be away and needed Jane in the office. 
Through a continued series of email exchanges, Jane replied and outright lied to Sandy with some excuse about her daughter getting some long-awaited medical treatment or surgery. And she just had to go to Calgary to help out for a few days and look after her granddaughter. Sandy replied to this lie by telling Jane that she knew about the trip that she had booked to Vegas for her daughter and son-in-law. That Jane's trip to Calgary was most likely to babysit her granddaughter while her daughter was in Vegas, and that she would still have to deny Jane the days off, especially since she booked them after being told those days were unavailable. Jane countered in her reply, without even addressing the fact that she had been caught in a lie, that she had been a dedicated employee of this travel agency for several years and couldn't understand why she was being treated so unfairly after all she had done for the business. She then wrote that, since she wasn't being treated as a valued employee, she had no choice but to retire and was giving her two weeks notice. Despite Jane's threat, Sandy replied that she would still be unable to grant her the days off and left it at that without making any mention of Jane's threat to quit slash retire. Sandy then contacted her account slash business advisor and explained what happened with Jane. He was also aware of Jane's previous shenanigans. So he told Sandy that this was the out that she had been looking for with Jane, and she had it all in writing. He told Sandy that Jane had essentially retired, and all Sandy had to do was honor Jane's desire to do so and let her finish out her two weeks. The following Monday, Sandy went into the office early, accompanied by her longtime boyfriend, to act as a witness. She put Jane's belongings from her desk into a box and took back the things that were the property of the business. Since Jane was old school and had resisted putting client information into a computer database, this also included a small box filled with index cards that had client phone numbers, addresses, credit card info, and other personal info noted on them. In the meantime, the other employee had arrived for work, and they all waited for Jane to show up. Jane arrived just before 9 o'clock, acting as though nothing had happened, and greeted everyone with a good morning as she walked through the door. However, she was apparently taken slightly aback when she noticed Sandy's boyfriend seated in the far corner of the office. At this point, Jane was midway to her desk when Sandy informed her that there was no need to go any further and that she had accepted Jane's notification of retirement. She then handed Jane a check compensating her for the hours she worked, as well as two weeks' wages in lieu of Jane finishing out her final two weeks before her retirement. Jane was dumbfounded and went into panic mode. But I didn't retire. I'm not ready to retire. Sandy responded that, indeed, she had retired, considering her notice and she had proof of it in writing. All Jane could do was continue repeating, but I didn't retire. I'm not ready to retire. While unsuccessfully attempting to get the support of the other employee who refused to come to her defense. Sandy then pointed to the box containing Jane's belongings, wished her a happy retirement, and told her to leave the office. Jane quickly rifled through the box and noticed that the small box containing the index cards with client information was not there. She insisted that Sandy return it to her, which Sandy refused to do, explaining that it was the property of the business, that it contained personal client information, and that she would be in violation of Canadian privacy laws if she were to let Jane take it. Jane's shock had now turned to obstinance as she refused to leave without the box. Both the other employee and Sandy's boyfriend had started to get involved at this point, repeatedly telling Jane to just leave. Sandy then told Jane that if she didn't leave, she would have to call the cops. At which point, Sandy's boyfriend called 911 to tell the dispatcher of a disgruntled former employee at the travel agency who was refusing to leave the premises. 
Within a few minutes, two cops arrived, and Jane immediately ran to the door, ranting about being fired and about some missing box of client info. One of the cops told Jane to come outside and explain the situation. The other cop remained in the office to hear Sandy's side of the story, agreeing that Jane wasn't legally entitled to the box of client info. The other officer then re-entered the business and told Jane to wait outside. He said that Jane was insisting that Sandy was holding on to her personal belongings, namely a box of important information. The two cops conferred, and they agreed that that box of client info was not Jane's property. One of the cops then picked up the larger box containing Jane's personal belongings, took it outside to Jane, and told her to just go home. To rub salt in Jane's wounds, the next day, Sandy put up a large sign in the window of the business congratulating Jane on her retirement, and she even put a small announcement in the local newspaper doing the same thing. The icing on the revenge cake was that when Sandy was filling out the government forms, she marked retired for the reason that Jane was no longer employed. By doing so, Jane was ineligible to collect unemployment insurance benefits. Man, what is it about Karens that they seem to think that, like, we want to be around them? That, oh, I won't come to this business anymore, or, oh, I quit. And it's like, okay, thanks. Our next Reddit post is from Word to the Wise. After leaving the drive-thru at a fast food place a few years ago, I noticed that I wasn't given the correct change. The attendant had just shoved some money at me, and since I didn't want to hold up the line, I waited until I pulled ahead to put the change in my wallet. I was missing two bucks, which isn't much, but still. So I drove back through the lane and mentioned the error, and oddly, the guy knew the exact amount, then left the window, went to the inside counter where I could still see him, bent down, and then brought up the two dollars. It seemed fishy, so during a different shift, I returned and went inside and talked to the manager. He pretty much blew me off and said that sometimes they keep the money there, blah blah blah. Since he was the manager, I figured that he must not think that it was a problem, that it was just a tiny amount of money. But a few weeks later, at the same drive-thru with the same attendant, the same thing happened again. I gave him a 20, and this time I paid attention. He shorted me by 5 bucks, so when he came back I said, uh, I gave you a 20, and... He literally interrupted me and said, Oh yeah, I owe you $5. This was just too suspicious, and if the manager was too dumb to pay attention, it was time to go to the main office. If you've ever tried to enter an online complaint for a fast food chain, or almost anything else, it's a nightmare. I didn't want to mention the term customer service, because that would go to the manager who didn't listen to begin with. So, I registered the complaint as a compliance issue for the legal department. A few days later, I got a call. When I launched into my story, the guy immediately tried to divert me to customer service, and I stopped him short with my best pissed mom voice and said, You need to listen to me now! And then he paid attention. I didn't have any hopes that it would go anywhere, but to my surprise and gratification, it did. A week or so later, I got a call from a woman who oversaw the entire metro area where I live. She thanked me for my complaint and told me the outcome. It turns out that this site had oddly low sales amounts, but it had a long-time crew that seemed dependable. So, after getting my complaint, they paid a surprise audit visit, ran a report on the registers, and viewed the videos. And as it turns out, the guy at the drive-thru was scamming every single way that he could figure out how to. And others were in on it, including the manager. Almost everyone got fired, all but one employee as I recall. 
They were logging refunds that weren't giving out and then just pocketing the money. And they were also just blatantly plain stealing money. They'd gotten away with it for years because people were trying to get to work and didn't notice or didn't bother to look into it. So, reading through the comments, apparently this is kind of common. Wookie1138 gives some insight. I worked at a drive-thru for 10 years. It's incredibly easy to take advantage of people there. Take a quick picture of their credit card? Easy. Tell them their total is a dollar or two higher than it is? They honestly won't have any idea because they're too busy on their phone or dealing with kids. What's that? Your gift card has nothing left on it. And then another reply from Downvote All My Posts. I worked at Arby's when I was 18. The manager had an unwritten policy to leave one item out of every fourth or fifth order that goes through the drive-thru. Also, to make sure those orders didn't get a receipt so the customers couldn't prove the mistake. He made us do that to save on food costs and he would just pocket the difference. So when I was a teenager, I worked at Subway. And from what I saw, the owners were pretty ethical people. The single most unethical thing that I, <laughs> that I ever saw the owners do was the owner would try to tell me whenever someone ordered a foot-long sub and they ordered tomatoes, don't put on four slices of tomatoes, put on three slices of tomatoes. But I always put on four slices anyways because I'm a rebel. Our next Reddit post is from Vinkovec. I've gotten six phone calls in the last 24 hours from a number listed to an Apple store in California. I pick up and get a pre-recorded message stating that my iCloud account has been hacked and I should press 1 for tech support. I'm skeptical, especially because I don't own any Apple products. I don't have an iCloud, iTunes, or iAnything account. Obviously, this is a scam, so the first time this happens, I hang up. The second time, I asked the tech what they needed, and I played a little dumb as they tried to direct me to a tech site that would let them take control of my computer. They hung up on me. The third time they called, I was at work, and I went to the website they directed me to, but I kept repeating the website code incorrectly to them, repeating the directions wrong, and just generally being confused. The dude is screaming at me to repeat exactly what he says, and finally tells me that I'm not allowed to ask questions even when I try to clarify which account is hacked and what's going on. He tells me that I'm too much of an idiot to do this and hangs up on me. The fourth time I get a call from them, I tell the guy that it's the fourth time that he's called and I ask if he's proud of what he's doing. I asked if his mother was ashamed of him stealing from people. He hung up. The fifth time, I go ahead and let him log into my computer system. I've set up a spare laptop with a virtual machine that I've loaded with every virus, toolbar, pop-up ad, and other garbage that I can find. If that computer was a horse, we would shoot it. It wasn't logged into an admin account, so he trashed a few files and rage quit on me. The sixth time, I let the tech log onto my virtual machine and encrypt some files. He then demanded 200 bucks to unlock it. I cry, sob, beg, and finally open up my wallet and get my credit card. I misspeak and mix up my numbers enough that he got pissed and taunts me. I finally suggest that I take a picture and email the picture to him so that he can read it. He sends me an email, and I send back from a throwaway account the file credit.card.jpg.zip. Apparently, when he clicked the zip file, he got infected with some crypto virus. Apparently, the virus encrypted and locked his computer system. How did that happen? I can't help but wonder if his computer was on a networked environment or if they were isolated from each other. All I know is that, after that, I didn't get any more phone calls. 
That was r slash pro revenge. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.